Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, the combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight announcements, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Bloody Elbow Podcasts are proud to be sponsored by RevGear. They've been a pioneer in the industry and have grown into a formidable brand and true leader in the MMA gear market. Bloody Elbow listeners get 20% off. Go to RevGear.com slash Bloody Elbow email sign up. Welcome back and thank you for listening to episode 267 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez. And today, we're going to talk about Francis Ngannou. Oh my gosh, we have to talk Francis Ngannou. But first, let's find out how this guy over here is doing. Ah, happy Halloween, you lovely bitches. All of you. Every last one of you. Yes, indeed. It is a time for candy and sugar rushes and hyperactive children. And boy, I am dreading having to go out at the, after we record this. But it's cute. I mean, you know what? There's just something about doing Halloween on dad mode that's kind of adorable. And I respect it a little more now. It's not quite as insufferable. So yeah, that's what I got going on. I hope it's good for everybody else. What's the boy going to be? He is Miles Morales, and he couldn't be any happier. Oh, I love yeah. it. Spider-Man. Right. All right. Well, my week is already off to a great start because Saturday, Francis Ngannou shocked the world with an outstanding performance against the lineal heavyweight champion of the world. The world? The world. And that matters. You had the lineal UFC heavyweight champion up against the lineal boxing heavyweight champion. And in my personal opinion, I have watched the fight more than once, more than twice now, and more than three times. Okay? I've watched it four times. <laughs> and I'm telling you, he won that fight. All four times, I, I went back and... He had the bigger moments. He had the knockdown. And I just felt he did better. Victor, how did you see it? You know, I, I kind of, I only saw it once. And I didn't see the first round. I, I came in a bit late. Having said that, I understand why Fury got the decision. I disagree with it. But then I'm also, I need to throw in the other caveat, which is that I'm not the best uh, judge of how boxing fights or how boxing matches are scored. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed it way more than I expected to. And a couple of things happened there. The major massive holy shit moment of Francis putting Fury on his ass. That alone 
Like he was already a winner coming in. Like I said in the staff picks, he was a winner coming in because the match got made. He got his dream fight. He's getting paid. He's getting all this attention, all this notoriety, and he got a pat on the back and an attaboy. And everybody was like, all right, well, good thing you're getting the big bag of money. We'll see you in round four. Because that's, you know, like he's just going to get knocked out in round three. You know, we'll see you after that. No, no, it was a long night at the office. And there was nothing that could make this more of a rocky moment than the guy who came from literally the worst levels of abject poverty on earth to making it to this the pinnacle against the heavyweight champion in Saudi Arabia. The world is watching. Everything is stacked against him. And not only does he acquit himself, he shines. He loses. But did he really lose in the end? He loses the fight in terms of the official decision. Yes. But he comes out of it an even, uh, even more massive fucking supernova. Everyone's talking about this guy. People that usually don't cover combat sports are turning their heads going, wait, I'm sorry, what? A, a UFC guy got done dirty by them, left, got surgery, and now he's in there and he put it to Tyson fucking Fury? Something that Deontay Wilder couldn't do. I mean, you know, it's this is there's historic and then there's things that change paradigms. And that's what we witness here. I don't think that any of that is hyperbole in any sense. Well, let me read to you some takes from pro boxers and people in the boxing community. All right. Roberto Duran says Francis Ngannou defeated Tyson Fury. Chris Eubank. Watching from ringside, I thought Ngannou won the fight. It was close, but he was the aggressor, landed heavier shots, and scored a knockdown. Fury deserved to lose after having so much trouble against a man who has never boxed before. Uh, too much time spent filming Netflix specials. <laughs> Mike Tyson felt that Francis Ngannou won the fight. Of course he would say that. Um, Eddie Hearn thought that Francis Ngannou won the fight. Lou DiBella, Ngannou won. The scores don't fucking matter. Couldn't you see those cards coming? Yeah, it was close, but a fighting man, novice, scored the only knockdown, landed the harder punches, and controlled the pace of the fight. The heavyweight champion of the world shrugged this one off and embarrassed boxing. Lennox Lewis said the lion can't let the shark come into the jungle and nearly beat him. And Gano's <laughs> stock is up. Fury's <laughs> stock is down and a lackluster win for Fury. Clarissa Shields. I would have settled for a draw or Ngannou by decision. Rosie Perez. What the fuck? Oh my fucking God. They <laughs> gave it to Tyson Fury? Uh, Regis Progray. That was a shit fight. Expected a lot better. No matter the outcome, win, lose, or draw, Ngannou won. Sonny Edwards. Fury massively overlooked Ngannou, found himself in deeper water than he thought, and couldn't get out of it. Close fight on the scorecards, but I have Francis Ngannou edging the rounds out when he needed to. Canelo Alvarez, he just put the little emoji with the red cheeks up. Like he was embarrassed. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. 
Um, a few things. A few things here. Number one, Lennox Lewis. What are we doing, baby? If a lion got dropped into the ocean against a shark, I mean, you know, like okay, so I guess in that case, the MMA versus boxing parallel works. But a shark on land, baby, no. That's that's kind of. It sounds a little dumb. That's not a really good one. Second, I really resent the use of the term novice. To describe Francis. Yeah. This is a man who very famously in one of the UFC countdowns, there's a, there's a screen grab of him where he says, what is MMA? He came to box. He is a boxer as his foundation. That was what he was viewed as coming in. Just a guy who boxed and learned how to take, you know, stuff takedowns and defend himself a bit on the ground. He has become far more complete since then. But his fundamental base, his foundation as a fighter has always been boxing. This isn't Wonder Boy or some guy who came in off a of Taekwondo or like some dude who came in uh, as an NCAA wrestler who's been you know, like Gray Maynard who came in wrestling since he was six. That's not what we're dealing with here. So I, I really, you know, I wish people would be a little more, I guess, if, if that was maybe highlighted a little more. I don't know. Mauricio Suleiman, and he runs the WBC. He supposedly told Dewey Cooper that Francis Ngannou would be ranked in the top 10 this week in boxing. And he should be. He should be. He came damn close. I mean, he had a, he, he managed a split decision against the lineal heavyweight champion of the world. He had the best boxing crossover ever. Yes. Ever. Yes. You know, Conor McGregor, I can't believe people were praising him for going in there and looking ridiculous against Floyd Mayweather and then getting stopped. When's the last fucking time Floyd Mayweather stopped anyone? Congratulations on getting played with by Floyd. Exactly. And then getting and then getting finished. Like, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. You know, but I gotta wonder though. Have you seen any reactions? Have you heard from Dana White? I have not. And yeah. I'm hey, I gotta ask you. Did you feel because you're that you you that we we can talk frankly. You're in Texas. Yeah. You're in Texas, right? So you probably felt it, right? I felt what? You didn't feel the vibration in the thing. What thing? Well, so you didn't feel this the 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 vibrations to the ground of John Jones punching that fucking wall and <laughs> over in Arizona or wherever he's at now. You didn't feel that. <laughs> man you want to talk about fumbling the bag it wasn't francis nope it, it wasn't. wasn't him and this is the thing that kills me you want to talk about gimmick fights and what a waste it was as dana was saying but now look not only did he show his ass by trying to after this the the the, the scuttlebutt started looking like um this was this this fight between Fury and Ngannou was looking more and more like a reality. Not only did Dana try to intervene and go, hey, 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 you can fight John Jones in the UFC. Wouldn't you like to fight him in the UFC? No, no, you fucking dork. Why? Why would he want to do that? His bread and butter is boxing. Why would he want to go into the MMA not sphere? Not to mention the fact when he that can make more money here. Not to mention the fact that the UFC wants to promote so that they can take the lion's share of the money. And that is a key right there. If if any of this is promoted by the UFC, all parties involved are going to take a much lower purse. So, of course, they're not going to have the UFC fucking promote it. Yeah. And, you know, that's the other thing, too. This this whole this whole idea that somehow this was going to be 
I don't want to say a flop, but rather that 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 Francis was pricing himself out, that he wasn't going to have options. You know, we saw David Feldman, we saw Chatri, we saw all this other bullshit about how like, oh, he's he's really rolling the dice. He needs to go back on his hands and knees to Dana White. <laughs> yeah, really? You sure? Did you forget that the Saudi blood money's running like a goddamn faucet? Are you fucking serious right now? You wait and see. Oh, buddy. Buddy, you think that those guys are not chomping at the bit to have Francis come back and fight literally anyone? Are you fucking kidding me? They put $100 million into the PFL recently. You understand? That's a drop in the bucket for these guys. Uh, One singular drop of petroleum in a giant fucking drum of oil. That's, That's what that money is to them. You think that they won't open the floodgates like the end of Fury fucking road to get Francis back in? Are you kidding me? Okay, cool. Do that. Have fun. (laughs) The other thing about this is that I don't want Francis to come back to PFL. I don't want him to come back to MMA at all. I want Hmm. him to stay in boxing where the getting is good. I mean, I would love to see him fight Deontay, Tyson Fury, Alexander Usyk. I could stand for Andy Ruiz. You know, you don't have to put him in against the top tier right off the bat. You can put him in against the Andy Ruiz's, the second tier, and he could still make millions. Andy Ruiz commands seven to ten million, uh, seven to ten million a purse. So you could get. Francis and him in there and Francis would absolutely be the A side. So Francis could command a bigger purse than Andy Ruiz could. You know what, man? Sky's That's... the limit for this man. His so... his profile is through the roof. PFL's profile is probably through the roof right now because they've got him under contract. They just signed him and he hasn't even stepped into their cage yet. And while I personally would like to see him fight maybe a Junior Dos Santos, maybe Verdum, you know, because there's very few heavyweight top attraction fights that you can get. Verdum already had a relationship with PFL. I don't know what that's looking like right now. Uh, But Junior, he's available. You know, I mean, you could probably do that. Former UFC champs going in there. Maybe it wouldn't be as competitive as we might want, but maybe it's something that PFL could sell, right? It's something they can work with. And of course, everybody's dying to get in there because they know they're going to make a guaranteed minimum that they've never made in their miserable fucking lives because MMA does not pay good money. So sure, I think that's something that they're going to have to do, but I don't know that I want to see him come back right away either. Like I'm, I'm not quite in the same boat as you. I don't even know about right away. Right. Honestly, if it's not John Jones, I don't want him to come back. And you want to hear something really funny? They did an interview. uh, Don Davis did an interview with Ariel. uh, I think it was yesterday. And Don Davis, who runs PFL, said that there are basically no opponents in MMA for Francis Ngannou. That the only one anyone wants to see is John Jones. And I quote, there's Mm. only one guy in MMA right now who's interesting for Francis Ngannou. John Jones. One Mm. guy. Everybody says, well, what about Stipe? Maybe. We'll give him half a point. 1.5 guys who are compelling. End quote. (laughs) You know what? I mean, I don't like that, though, because now you're shitting on your whole roster. 
You know what I mean? Like that's oh my gosh. (laughs) The problem is that I mean, while you do have some guys like Bruno Capeloza who was pretty damn good, but I think he got popped for steroids. Um, they've had some they've had some okay heavyweights there, but then they've also got like John Jones's training partners, Jorgen De Castro and Maurice Green, who made disastrous exits this year. My God. Um that's it's it may seem like it's beside the point but i think there's something about watching somebody's teammates flame out this bad against that level of competition and be like all right what's going on with that other guy like what kind of training is he getting because none of us were really that well okay some people were but a lot of people were not impressed with the way that john jones beat cyril gone and i don't think that he would do to francis and what he did to cyril gone so um Questions about what kind of environment and then the readiness of this all. I um, I don't know, man. It raises some questions, but the UFC will doggedly stick to this whole we won't co-promote, and it's got to be killing John right now, man. That's crazy. The Stipe fight just fell apart. Fuck, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Now he's on the shelf. Now what? Well, Don Davis, to his credit, he must have heard you in the past and into the future somehow because he kept going and said, I don't want to say who could put a good fight for him. There's three or four guys out there who could put a p- competitive fight for Francis. What I'm saying is compelling, period. Mm. I'm not talking about a, competi- a competitive fight. I'm saying compelling, end quote. Okay. So he clearly traveled into the future so that we could view his past comment (laughs) and it would be all encompassing and make you happy. Well, he didn't exactly make me happy, but that's all right. I appreciate it anyway. Good job. He tried. He tried. He gave it a college (laughs) try. How about that? But I mean, I appreciate his honesty. To be quite frank, I think that him coming right out and saying, you know, we don't have anybody compelling here that would sell. But there is someone out there that would, and that's John Jones. And the reason why I feel like these comments were made was because it seems like it's kind of hanging in the air that maybe PFL is willing to co-promote, which I'm sure they are. Yeah. Or it, needs it could to, be. It needs to be. The onus is clearly on the UFC. Now, check this out. Eric McGregor, our good buddy, he tweeted out. He said, Francis Ngannou should start calling out the UFC for his next fight. He should say, I will take on anybody you got for the MMA lineal championship. PFL will co-promote. Throw the he's scared narrative right back in Dana's face. And mm. without missing a beat, Francis Ngannou quoted him and said, <laughs> oh, I've oh, been no. calling out John Jones, but I can take Stipe for the same occasion while I'm waiting on John Jones to get back. Oh, Christ. Okay. Yeah. I don't know where he learned how to do his online shit talk. He's gotten so good, mm-hmm. so all the way back from when from when John Jones said, "How are you going to call yourself the baddest man on the planet from across the street?" And Francis replied, "Then cross the street." <laughs> and you know, listen, people get the shit twisted, man. Francis, he's one of them cats that like he's like he's like them old country dudes. You know what I mean? He talks slow, but he think fast. Mm-hmm. 
You understand? You might be a little fooled. Maybe it's the accent. Maybe it's the fact that he's a big dude. Maybe it's the kind of, you know, the, 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 the way he reaches for words in his vocabulary. No, no, that man is outplaying everybody right now. And that's the thing. So I, I'm wondering to what degree. I don't doubt that I, I want to be I want to be mindful of how I phrase this because I don't want this to be misinterpreted. Not not that it's of any risk, but um, I, I don't doubt the seriousness of Nganu and the PFL and having that interest of co-promoting with the UFC because it, you already share a broadcasting partner with the SPN. I don't know how much longer that deal is going to be for the PFL right now. But if you have that and you continue to dangle this carrot. It is a rising tide lifting all ships situation, right? Because ESPN makes that money. So now you're looping them in. ESPN has a bit of an interest in generating more revenue through this. And then on top of that, look, if it happens, then great. Everybody makes a bunch of money. But if it doesn't happen, it's not the PFL that looks weak. Now it's the UFC that looks bad. And the popularity that Francis is enjoying and the way that he's riding right now, sure, you could wait it out, but it's not going to be a great look. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's the thing that really, really sticks in my craw is that John Jones's contract was going to be up next year. Next mm-hmm. year is just two fucking months away. Mm-hmm. And he would have been out of out of his contract free and clear because his five year sunset clause would have kicked in. And then he could have gone free agent just like Francis and they could have made the biggest fight in combat sports history on the outside. And they could have raked in the money for themselves. Hell, they could have done the same thing that Nganu and Fury did, but they could do it on the outside with PFL and have PFL take it over to Riyadh or something like that so that they can maximize the exposure. Not saying that that's what should happen, but it's what could have happened in place. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, now John Jones is stuck in the same predicament where this even pops off. Well, if it even happens, he's got to mow the football field, give the money to his dad, and hope he gets a chunkier allowance. And and not only that, here's the really ugly part. Since this antitrust thing has come about, the UFC instituted those five-year sunset clauses a couple of years ago because it was a knee-jerk response to the antitrust case so that they could sort of pretty things up. So they set it where that now you're not locked into your contract basically forever. Now there's a sunset clause that basically says they can only hold you down for five years, which is how Francis was able to get out, which is how Nate Diaz was able to get out. But John Jones, being the big dumbass that he is, went and signed on the dotted line you know, earlier this year And now he's locked in. And here's the ugliest part about it. They have done away with the sunset clauses now. Mm. So now John Jones, no matter what, is stuck with the UFC because they ain't never letting him go. John Jones will be 50 fucking five and still under contract with the UFC because they'll be afraid that he will go out and have some bare knuckle match and make $5 that they don't get to take $4 and 50 cents from. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. 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 Yeah. Amazing. Good stuff. Yeah. Happy to hear it. I know. Right now on that fine note, (laughs) We're going to go ahead and and leave the the love 
lovely embrace, the warm atmosphere of basking in the glory of Francis Ngannou. And we're going to jump into UFC Vegas 82, which is a decent enough card if you're in the main card. And that that long pause there from Victor is him trying to find the words to find something admirable or slightly kind to say about this card and him struggling mightily to do so. I mean, ain't much nice to say, man. This is a weird (laughs) one. This is a very, very weird. Again, keep busy. This is make work. There's some good fun fighters that that we enjoy and that we like, but... Yee. 13 fights too and at the time of this recording on Tuesday afternoon at 3:39 p.m. central on Halloween there are 13 fights on this card. And for the record, it is not UFC Vegas 82. This is happening in Brazil. So we are we have a, a card that's on the road. So now I see why it's 13 fights and why we actually have a decent main card. I did not even realize it was in Brazil. I did oh not either. God. So, yeah. So <clears throat> basically, it's just UFC Fight Night Brazil. It's Sao Paulo, by the way. So it'll mm. probably be uh, UFC Sao Paulo. So anyways, we have selected four fights from the main card. That we're gonna break down. Um, there's some, there's some, like I say, there's some decent fights on here. There really are. Uh, we're gonna start with Ismael Bonfim taking on Vince Pichel. Victor, how you see this one? Do I trust Bonfim? Mm. And this is lesser Bonfim, by the way. I don't know, man. I think I think Pichel bullies him and gets the win. I have been back and forth on this a little bit. Uh, who's the younger one? Let me see. Who's younger? Let's. How old is uh, Bonfim? Bonfim is twenty seven, and I think Pichel is like thirty four. Is he thirty? I think so. I think uh, so. Oh my God, Pichel is forty. Oh wow! What the hell? 40? When did he age? I don't know, man. The pandemic was like the it was like the snap from the Thanos snap, you know? Shit just changed. Wow. Huh. Mark Madsen beat Pichel in his last fight. <clears throat> mm. And Mark Madsen had only been beaten. Had never been beaten. Okay. Um he he suffered his first defeat to Grant Dawson recently. Okay. So that's not a bad loss to take, actually. That that no, actually not. stands the test of time. He yeah. beat Austin Hubbard and Jim Miller and Roosevelt Roberts before that. And the uh, loss he took before that was way back in 2018 to Gregor Gillespie. And then he was on a four-fight run before that. Um. He hasn't taken a lot of losses. He's only got three on his whole record. Rustam Havilov, Gregor Gillespie, and Mark Madsen. That's it. Uh, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time, Hobby Lobby. No yeah. Name. Gregor Gillespie, too. Um, You know what? No, I'm going to stick with Bonfim. I, I've i been on the fence, but I think I'm going to stick with Bonfim. All right, sure. Um, no, I'm not. 
<laughs> okay. Wait a minute. You know what? I'm going to take Pichelle. I am. I'm going to take Pichelle. Yep. Because Ismael Bonfim, he lost his last fight to Benoit Saint-Denis. And I feel like Mark Madsen might be a, a skosh better than Benoit Saint-Denis. And I know I'm using some MMA math here and I shouldn't. But they're, I, different, they're different kinds of... Like, I see what you mean. Yeah. I, I think Benoit probably has... Right now has a higher ceiling. He's got a hotter hand, definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not a bad... Not the worst loss you could take, but... Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like that the Madsen loss will stand the test of time better. Well, I, I just want to make a quick parenthetical here. Uh, Angela Hill is on this card against Denise Gomez. That should be fun. Oh, Vitor yeah. Pe- Vitor Petrino. is good. I think Nisi's going to win. Vitor Petrino is fighting Medessa's Bukowskis. Yes, the Bukaki man is back. He will be... <laughs> He'll be that. That seems. I don't know. I. I don't. That got me tingling. That like that could be good. Hey, that you know what fun. else is good? Um, the shoe face and and um, Fakratinov. No, that's that's not shoe face though. Oh, Zaleski. That's Capoeira. Yeah. Capoeira. You're thinking of. Uh, Why yeah, do I thinking keep thinking shoe face? Uh, that's okay. Maybe because uh, Capoeira has a face like a shoe. Yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> Zaleski and Fakratinov is it, that's that's fire. That's yeah, that's a, a great good fight. fight. It really is. And Esteban Ribovic of Argentina, he's going to be on this when he has Elvis the potential Brenner. for fun. Yeah. Against Elvis Brenner. Yeah. So, you know, there's some there's some good fights here. Don't get it twisted. It's just yeah. there's a there's a bit of sizzle missing here, even for uh, it, it's not because we're like trying to be fashionable because dumping on fight night cards is like, you know, the cool hip thing that the kids do. It ain't that. It's just look, you know it. You know, and how much of this are you really willing to sit through? It's going to be, what, six hours, seven hours of, of broadcast time? Yo, I mean. Yeah, it's, we're not going to get grind. that uh, apex pacing. Probably not. Um, but here's something that got me. When's the last time we saw Mark Diakizi open a card? I don't think we've ever seen him open. No. Mm-hmm. Prelin, sure. Open? Mm, Curtain jerker, baby. Yeah, well. And your girl Montserrat Conejo Ruiz is fighting too. You why love is she, her. Why is she my girl? What are we doing here? Because you all, you always root for that girl. Oh, okay. And you always pick her, no matter who she's fighting. Every fight that she's had in the UFC, you've picked her. She only fought like twice. Let me check this shit. What are you talking about? You sure? I'm pretty sure one. Two, Let me see here. She's uh, only three. had three UFC fights. Yeah, okay. All three of them, you have picked her, even okay, though. Okay. Well. So yeah. All right. All right. So uh, let's get to our next fight. So I'm taking Pichelle. You're taking Pichelle. And Mookie is taking Bonfim. So next up, we are looking at Rodolfo Vieira taking on Armin Petrosian. Uh, Mookie and I are taking Rodolfo Vieira. This is another. All of these fights are pretty well matched. I mean, coin toss for sure. Yeah. Um, Victor, how do you see this? Because I know you're going with the opposite of us. Yeah, I'm going with Petrosian, but I kind of like, I don't feel easy about it. Vieira has that, like, what do I always call it, right? Flypaper grappling. Mm. He's got that Velcro shit. He grabs you and it's over. And that's kind of like, I don't know how much of that Petrosian is going to be able to avoid. But I still got to pick him anyway, just being able to use his reach, just being able to, you know, use his cardio and his range. Like, I think he might be able to tough it out. Okay. Kayo Bohalio versus Abus Magomedov. I love this because I'm a 
big fan of Caio Bahalio. I I know he's um a work in progress as far as how wild he gets in there. I mean, composure is not his thing. But man, I love watching him fight because he is like a an unpopped firecracker. You know, so you get, you just throw it in there and you wait for it to go off. And man, it goes off quick. <laughs> he's he's like a bullet out of a gun when he hits that 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 cage. I mean, it's insane. I, I love watching him fight. I, I think he takes it. You know, he I, I wasn't sold on him at first, but he's definitely made a lot of improvements. He's shown a bit more patience. He's growing. I think Abu still might be able to handle him. He did not look good against Strickland. Uh, of course, that loss aged pretty well, seeing as Strickland went on mm-hmm. to become champion. So you can do with that what you want. But um, I think that as long as Magomedov doesn't let himself get – as long as he doesn't succumb to pressure – he should be able to really make this a, a much more competitive fight and eventually edge this out. I just realized how much of a Brazil versus the world ass card this is. Every mm-hmm. single bat has a Brazilian in it. Yeah. Well, it's wow. in Brazil. <laughs> well, I mean, it is, but you don't see that. Sometimes, you know, they, they'll have, you know, three or four fights with a couple of foreigners, you know, some people from neighboring countries. But no, this is all Brazil versus foreigner. Yeah. All right. We are going to get to co-main event time. Gabriel Bonfim, Superior Bonfim versus Nicholas Dalby. Um, We're not picking this fight. I don't know why I said it, but it is the co-main event. Um, I don't know why I didn't want to pick this one. I just passed it up. I didn't like it. I mean, we still could if you want. Up to you. No, because we didn't have we didn't tap Mookie in on. This. Oh, well, okay, that, that's that'd true. That'd be unfair, but I don't know why this this fight just did not sing to me. Yeah, well, no, I get it. You do, you do right, I, and it's a I can't help it, you know. Ah, it's just man, I'm pretty sure Dolby would stomp him though. I think he might. I don't think it's going to be a walk. I'll tell you that. I don't think he's going to stomp him. I'd pick him to win, but I don't think he's going to stomp him. I'm going to say a stomp it. Okay. Just because I feel like it. (laughs) But again, we're not picking it, so whatever. Um, We do get to the main event. Jailton Almeida taking on Derek Lewis. Mookie and I are taking Jailton Almeida, but not Victor. No, no. (laughs) I'm actually going to go with Derek Lewis. You know why? I believe in him again. If he says that he was going through a bunch of stuff and that that's what led to some of those losses and that now he's refined and he's got his 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 weight and his training under control in a different way and he's made adjustments as he's been getting up there in age, I got to believe him. I've doubted him too many times in the past. I got to believe him this time. So you know what? I'm going to go with Derek Lewis. All right. Um, I'm I'm still sticking with Gilton. I I love Derek Lewis. He's a great person. But... I don't know. I, I I see the upward trajectory of Almeida. I mean, he's he's got some work to do, but honestly, he's he's got a pretty complete game. If he could, it seems to me like he might have a little bit of cardio issues, but we'll we'll see how that works out. But I'm taking him. Mookie's taking him, and that's gonna wrap up our picks and the regular portion of the show. We have something very special for you guys in the bonus section. We have an interview with. Tough 30 winner, Juliana Miller. So stick around. We'll be right back with that. And if you're not a subscriber, now's your opportunity. You should remedy that. 
because we have good stuff in the bonus section. We give away stuff. We give away free shows too once a month. And now we've got a great interview with Juliana Miller. So hit the subscribe button. Anyways, here's our interview. All right, folks, as promised, we are back and we have Tough 30 winner, Juliana Miller. Juliana, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, well, thank you. I want to read something to you. I love this so much. And I quote, if you've been through emotional trauma and you want to quit on life, I fight for people like that. People that say, I can't do it. I'm going to give up because I was them about three and a half years ago. I was at rock bottom. Talk to me a little bit about that quote, because that's from you. And I love it. I love who you're fighting for. And I love your attitude. Uh, yeah, you know, I think um, the majority of people out there, whether they speak about it or not, has been through some form of trauma. And I think in general, people tend to push things down until they overflow and things kind of explode. And for the people that are, you know, dealing with that internal implosion, it's, it's hard to see anything beyond your walls crumbling. It seems like, you know, the, the world isn't important anymore. You don't like doing things you love and, um, things just seem hopeless. And, um, you know, for me, I, I've been there and I've been through it. And um, I think that coming from somewhat of a, of a rough childhood, I can really understand people that feel they haven't had a shot at life. And so when I was an ultimate fighter, um, I was still climbing out of my rock bottom. And so a lot of my words were, wisdom to myself helping me get through it and you know I'm like one huge thing for me was if I can do it you can too because I wasn't exponentially strong I wasn't necessarily more intelligent I wasn't rich I didn't have a lot of advantages that other people did all I had was a mindset of fuck it I'm just gonna go for it so for me, being able to uh, hopefully inspire some people on there to just shoot your shot was quite a blessing. Well said. Now, let me ask you this. I was going through your Instagram and I noticed a few things. First of all, you've had a recent surgery. So let me get you to talk about that first. Yeah. Um, so basically, I... Uh, had a really rough camp um training for this fight I was training with a girl a lot bigger than me and I had felt soreness kind of all over my body but I didn't I didn't look into it much and I had a, a mindset of ultimate fighter and in ultimate fighter you kind of just keep fighting um it doesn't matter if you're hurt it doesn't matter if you're feeling something you just keep training so for me any, you know, soreness, I was like, oh, that's, it's just part of it. It's weight cut. And um, then when I got into my fight, 
maybe a minute into the first round when we clenched up on the cage. She did the right thing, got her underhook and started to circle out. And um, I felt a pop and a pull in my left arm. And um, I, I lost all strength of being able to lift that arm and activate it. Um, so it, it was a really odd feeling to me. Like I um, almost like if you can imagine the sound of a rubber band snapping or something like that, uh, that's kind of what I heard and felt with the pop in the fight. And um, I, you know, like I started to release and um, there was a point she tried to judo through me. We went to the ground and I stood back up because I realized I did not have full function of my left arm anymore. Something was just wrong in there. And um, so as we got back to our feet, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to use full function of this arm. So my mind went to fight or flight and I just started swinging, um, which is a very beginner's mistake. You know, I should have been slow and intelligent to get out of that round, throwing kicks, keeping distance. But um, I kind of just had the flip and, um, you know, so I started swinging and the bad thing about it is I couldn't lift my left arm above my head anymore. So I had no defense and um, I was throwing from below the chest. One of the first things you learn in fighting is you got to protect yourself. Hands up. Hands up is like the beginning lesson. And I couldn't keep my left hand up. So I landed a few, but then I ate a perfect right hand from Luana on the side of my head. And um, my vision went blurry and I couldn't really see where I was at. Um, and she landed a few more good ones and then the rest stepped in and stopped the fight. And initially I was pretty upset. Like, why'd you stop the fight? I was fine. I kept fighting. Like she didn't drop me. I didn't get knocked out. I wasn't on the ground. Um, until a few weeks later when I got the MRI and I realized that, uh, in that fight, I had had a full labrum tear. And I know that, uh, through training, I definitely experienced the, uh, slight injuries so I, I think it was maybe a little weakened but um yeah I've never felt such a feeling like that where your body just snaps and it's not functioning anymore wow and how has your recovery been it's been pretty good uh it's been mentally tough I think um as a fighter I love exercise and I love training and I love being in the gym and I think it's been mostly a mental battle um, kind of how I speak about on Ultimate Fighter. It's been uh, pretty tough for me because the one thing I need to do with this surgery is rest my arm. They told me I can't throw a punch for six months because uh, the labrum inside of your shoulder is one of the most complicated ligaments to heal because your arms move every which way and direction, circles across the body. Think about your knees and your toes. They mostly only move one direction with uh, slight turns in other directions, but nothing comparable to the shoulders. So if I don't want to end up in another surgery, my one rule is chill out. Um, I'm still in the sling for almost 24 hours a day besides showering. And I've been doing like little workouts here and there using the bike, but for the most part, um, I'm learning how to chill out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on your Instagram and I can't help but notice this video of you in your sling and you're doing 
everything under the sun. You are biking. You have a kettlebell on your foot and you're lifting a kettlebell with your foot. So I, I definitely understand what you're saying here. You said something there about how in tough, it doesn't matter if you're injured, you just keep going. Is this your first major injury or have you had an injury before and you've probably worked through it as many, many fighters do? I've definitely had injuries before, but I've just never had a ligament snapped in half where I lost full function. Like I've hurt my neck and my spine and I've fought with broken elbows, um, hairline fractures, but all that kind of stuff really is work throughable because it's just pain. It's not loss of physical function. So um, it's definitely a, a new injury for me because this was like, I had to have the surgery or I would continue to make the same mistakes in the future. I, I waited three weeks after my fight because I thought I could heal naturally before getting an MRI. So I tried to go the natural route, but sometimes it's just impossible. Understandable. Let me ask you this. I'm looking through your Instagram one more time and I cannot help but notice you have a lot of independent sponsors. How did that happen? Is it easy to get outside sponsors or did you have to work your ass off for it? And I notice, you know, RevGear is your top sponsor and that's a big get. So if you could talk to me about how that they came into play and how you got all your other sponsors and maybe tell me a little bit about rev gear and how much gear costs and how much that saves you having that sponsorship, because that one in particular seems a little different from the rest. Yeah. Quite the contrary. I actually don't have a bunch of sponsors. I have a select few that I'm very, very close with. Rev Gear is near and dear to my heart because they believed in me since before I was successful, right? When I was barely going pro, um, I was eight and I was an amateur. So I did have the California state title, but I wasn't in the USC. I wasn't a big name yet. I was just working and grinding, wanting to make it there. And when I began working with Red Gear, I was broke. I was working four jobs, training full time. Um, you know, being young and living on your own in California is very, very difficult. So although I had four jobs, I was still scrounging my tips to try to cover gear. Half the time I couldn't pay for gear. So um, my teammates that, you know, were in the UFC would pass me down their old gear and that's when I had the blessing of being connected to RevGear. And I'll never forget the first sponsored package they sent me. I have a video that I'll have to send it to you. I opened this box and I started crying. I was so excited and grateful. It meant so much to me because um, I had never had everything on my own. Maybe here and there, you know, I would... Um, get a pair of gloves or something but it was always hand-me-downs so um it was the first time that I realized someone believed in me and I'm like I'm gonna make it like I'm gonna do something with myself and um what really made me feel the most about hopping on board with Red Gear is that they're affordable even when you're working those four jobs 
Um, I can send you a YouTube video of my first amateur MMA fight, epic fighting in San Diego, California. I'm wearing Red Gear shin pads. Like, I have been rocking Red Gear since day one before I ever knew that I would have the ability to work with them. And this is a brand that I will stand behind forever because they really are for the average person. And here's the thing. Most MMA fighters that are not even just MMA, boxing, Muay Thai, um, kickboxing, most martial arts fighters, as they're coming up, you're not rich yet. You don't get paid a lot to fight until you make it to the top, top, top level. So you're struggling. You're doing everything you can just to make it to practice. And having a brand that is good quality, durable, will last forever, but also at an affordable price is something that I can get behind and I will stand behind for the duration of my career. All right. Now, you made this move uh, a little over a year ago out to Spokane so that you could work with Rick Little and the folks at Sikjitsu. How's that been for you? And how awesome is Mike Chiesa? I love that guy so much. Oh, you know him. I do. He's a great person. Awesome. Yeah, um, I've really enjoyed um, training out here. You know, unfortunately, I haven't been here very long. In the last few months, I've um, been nursing an injury, but um, I really like the system. I think that it's very integrated. I'm learning a lot about top pressure and control, which is, I think, a good additive to my game and something that I need to help me to continue to grow and develop as a professional fighter. Over the weekend, Francis Ngannou pretty much shocked the world and came within just two points of beating the lineal heavyweight champion of boxing. Do you ever look at crossover boxing and things like that and, and toy with the idea of that yourself? Yeah, just not at this point in my career. Um, I loved watching Francis fight. It, it really goes to show that I think um, MMA is in a lot of ways superior because there's been a, a lot of pro boxers that when they step into the MMA cage, they just get really brutally messed up and vice versa. However, Francis is showing that, you know, you can never box professionally before and hop in there and stand with the greats. Even Conor McGregor, before he got tired, when he hopped in there, in his uh in his boxing match he held his own and he did really really well so um i think that that's uh, really awesome and you know i would love to box one day but i just want to heal up and get myself back in the octagon as you know i lost my last few fights so i feel that i have a point to prove about who i am in mma and i will focus on that until i truly believe that um I've done something incredible. Um, a lot of these greats have already become world champions and accomplished a lot with their career before going to boxing. So I think I need to make a name for myself before I make a switch like that. And with the UFC, how have they been with your injury? Is everything copacetic? And they've told you, hey, as soon as you're, you're ready, we'll have a fight lined up for you. 
Yeah, um, I am so grateful for UFC. You know, as long as you are injured in the fight, they cover your medicals. So, um, you know, I'm I'm really blessed that I my tear happened in the octagon because it means that I have full health insurance. And as a fighter, um, it's it's tough to get the care you need for recovery but you know thanks to UFC and the the performance institute I have accessibility to everything I need to heal up well um they have amazing physical therapists over there and I had just an incredible surgeon who took good care of me so um it's it's been nothing short of a blessing having them in my corner and um I did get a, an email um basically saying that my contract is on on pause basically what that means is ufc has to offer you a fight every six months or else it's a breach of their contract so they're basically saying there's a leave on my contract where they don't need to offer me a fight until i contact them saying i'm healthy again so once i'm healthy and able to fight i will get another shot to make a name for myself um which i'm so thankful for you know they have so many good fighters in UFC. Usually if you lose a few, you're out of there, but they're giving me an opportunity to heal up and come back stronger. So I'm going to take full advantage of that and show the world who I am. Well, I look forward to that and I'm rooting for you. And I thank you for joining me today. Is there anything else you'd like to say? No, thank you so much for allowing me to share my story and my vision with you. And, you know, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to connect with you in such uh, a well-renowned company. And um, I am so grateful for RevGear. And I think that this is going to be the most awesome collab. And I cannot wait to see what gear is coming out. I'm going to be on the ball of that and rocking it right away. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Folks, there you have it. The amazing Juliana Miller. That's going to wrap up the show. Y'all know the drill. Until next time, please stay safe. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.